speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. folks welcome to another episode of roxy fever i am your host jackson mcdonald with me as always hey guys it's vias ran vias you have something for us that you wanted us oh. to discuss right oh, off just, the hop here i, I just uh low-key low justin justin mcelroy from cvc at j underscore mcelroy is really good at connects twitter um and sometimes he just says stuff that i haven't thought about in a while or maybe i didn't have context for but he had a tweet about seven hours ago from recording uh we're recording at seven o'clock uh on uh the night of uh, game 16 of uh, the 2011 Stanley cup playoffs <laughs> um i don't know what the record is so far actually but uh anyways he tweeted i think it's understand? 22 but yeah i think, I think it's, it's 22? 22 yeah wait oh, okay all oh, right because they probably played two games a year instead yeah. of one yeah. ah yes okay that makes sense because <laughs> i actually did the math <laughs> if you but did the math, it would be seventeen. But... Uh, oh fuck yeah! Because I I counted I from the wrong number. Because I I I kind of count that 2011-2012 game as like an actual Stanley Cup game, <laughs> just because it was there was actually stuff riding on it. Like it it felt like it. Also, the game was played on my birthday. But anyways, uh, Justin posted the meme of guy in a club talking like trying to explain something to to a woman who's like who is completely who just, does not care yeah. and whatever the guy's saying does not matter but justin said to understand canuck media feuds to understand canuck media feuds you have to realize a lot of this goes back to people deciding whether it was unfair or not to fire notice in 2008 and if they liked gillis but even that was based on people's feelings towards burke and quinn so really this goes back more th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah that just a, a th that cuts off because yeah. there's not enough characters he's, he's still going yeah um but uh, me not having paid much attention i'm not sure if you guys uh like i don't think you guys know much more than i do uh uh but i don't remember what the discourse would have been like in 2008 and if anti-gillis feelings kind of started off then and if those actually were coming from the same kind of voices uh like like this whether whole... it's actually just been like two camps going back yeah. and forth yeah. and then just every eight years you switch the guy in charge and then you just start yelling the opposite things at each other yeah and i'd I love do... to know if there's actually a thread back like going going back okay all well, the way back to messier quinn etc okay well i'll say that my like my canucks posting career started in 2013 mm-hmm. in the uh the torts season right mm-hmm. 13 14 and yeah. uh, and it was clear to me, like from the transition from Gillis to Benning, that this whole like rump minority of people who just will not give up on Jim Benning are all people who just do not want to admit they were wrong about Mike Gillis, mm. uh, because I've, I remember see, like, there's a lot of crossover between the bad Canucks Twitter accounts and 
now that were the bad Canucks Reddit accounts, like nine years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. or just and, even the bad Canucks Twitter accounts nine years ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, there's definitely this like almost like buyer, uh, you know, buyer beware, like buyer's remorse thing going on or whatever, where like so many people wanted Mike Gillis fired and were passionate enough about it to show up in a bunch of like rascal scooters and, uh, you know, and hold their signs or whatever, like more passionately than anyone uh, is about Jim Benning, which is shocking when you consider the difference in, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you consider the, the how difference much- in the record, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the difference there is just that Benning has, you know, it's the metaphor of the frog. Like we have been slowly being boiled in a sea of magnas and chapoos. A sea of Grandlands. A sea of Grandlands, yeah. A pond of Grandlands. The Grandland sea level is rising slowly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I would say. Yeah, so don't, so don't drive uh, east of Abbotsford on Highway 1. because. <laughs> but I, oh, yeah. Uh, but I realized like, I think 13-14 was the first year that Botch did the Pravius, if I remember correctly, when they were called the Van Pravius. Uh, You guys want to know something funny, too, just as a side note? Ben Kuzma tried doing a couple. (laughs) We should find one one day and read it. I would love... I I just... I like the idea of... I I don't know, like, the editing is bad, and there's just, like, a note saying, please insert a gif of what happened here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, that's good. But uh, I definitely remember, like, reading the uh, early Pravis and being like, I don't understand this at all. (laughs) This makes zero (laughs) sense to me. Because I didn't get on Twitter for another year, I don't think. Yeah, Yeah, because, like, I was on Twitter then, but I still didn't get, like, more than half of it. And there were so many, there were so many inside baseball references and it was so clear that he was building on top of all this stuff that was already out there in the ether. Like the Matt Sakaris boat captain thing. Yeah. Had, I, I never, I never caught on to that. Yeah. I guess it's just cause I think that was just, I think botched, just that Sakaris had a boat. Like I, I think it was botched doing like a class warrior stuff where he's just making fun <laughs> of Matt Sakaris for being a rich guy with a boat. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, but I think Butch did have that quality to him. I mean, I remember how much he would rag on JD for his politics and tried to call him Chady. Chady. And I could, I, I could just, I can see the 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 look he has on his face when he's like prodding you with that and poking you with that. Um, he he could always find the thing, right? Yeah, like that was yeah, his yeah. his master. Uh, always hey, his master forget, stroke. What yeah. was the PA plan? Okay. Oh boy. All right. Uh, that, that's walk, another big piece of lore from a back. walk down yeah. memory lane. So the PA plan and, and should be should that be what we pursue right now? I think <laughs> I think we're in need of some plans. The only well, part of the PA plan I remember is that I think it involved trading Horvat. Which that's yes, all I remember. Too. They should do that. It involves yes. trading. <laughs> oh my god! Are we going to do the PA plan? If I remember correctly, it involved trading Bo Horvat for Phil Kessel. I know Phil Kessel was a huge part of the PA plan <laughs> and PA uh, that comes from a, a Twitter account called PA Islander yep. with the, yep. uh, with the multiple R's at the end. Yeah. And it was this plan to uh, it was basically like the opposite of what everyone else on Canucks Twitter wanted. Whereas this plan to get the Canucks back to contention, like immediately 
And yeah, um, all I remember is it involved trading Horvat, who he hated, and uh, acquiring Phil Kessel. I can't remember Horvat that that early. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, weren't really very sold on like right him you, as the the centerpiece of a rebuild. He's been. Uh, you like, were one I'll, of the Nachuskin guys, right? I was. Uh, I was a Nachuskin guy, but I was a Nachuskin guy largely just because like that's what it seemed like the other smart people thought at the I'm time. Gonna do a, I'm going to do a meta Justin McElroy tweet about how this all comes back to the Dalvin and Chuskin pick. <laughs> you know, it's funny. All, all of media fights. Though, if you, if you look at it. Like, Nish- N- Never mind. You got it. <laughs> Nishuskin wound up being like what Horvat was sort of projected to be and vice versa. I was just about yeah. to say that. Yeah. yeah. It, it is funny how like he's worked out actually quite well, but it took him like, uh, I think what, a couple of different teams and probably secretly alcohol rehab to, uh, to get there. That was always the, I'm just dropping like uh, just libel all over the place here, but uh, apparently like he had a drinking problem and that was kind of why he fell off in Dallas. That's what I heard, but I'm, I'm happy for him. Cause I always liked him. He was, a, he was a great, uh, he had a great rookie year. Unlike Bo Horvat. <laughs> so okay, thought, thought experiment for a moment. Do you think that would have worked? Because I'm looking at the 2014-15 roster, and after the Sedins, uh, oh, this is not organized by stats, but sure. I'm I'm just wondering if you if you slotted in a 2014 Phil Kessel, uh, the 2014 Phil Kessel with like Nick Benino and uh, who else would be on that but, line? Uh, he like he would be he's a winger, right? Yeah, if Kessel's a winger and he played. With Nick Benino in Pittsburgh when they oh, yeah. up, and they so, yeah. yeah, that would probably work pretty well. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, yeah, I go. mean, I don't know. It's kind we, of funny. We would like, have had a big hole at center, but we would have probably drafted somebody. We probably wouldn't have drafted somebody like Ulevi at the time, I mean, because we would have needed to plug in center. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm tough to say. Here. I I always love these counterfactuals. Like, what if the Canucks had done this or that? Uh. Well, they're all one. better than what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's really quite easy. It's really I mean, depressing. J- J- I don't know. I, I don't know if this actually requires skill to do, but I've been thinking lately, like somebody's got to do the redraft of the uh, Sham on potato. Somebody article. did. Oh, uh, recently? Recently? Yeah. Re- very like recently. This year. I think I can. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, okay. Cause... You guys just vamp for a minute. Uh, I thought somebody like kind of did it but didn't write a whole article about it which because you don't need a whole article yeah probably not i mean what was it it was was strictly taking chl draft picks or uh draft eligible players and then wasn't it literally the sorting by points yeah okay so i've i found it i that was really quick uh what did so, you search? I, I searched Sham Sharon on Twitter. Okay. All right. So, All right. okay. Uh, for those of you, for those of you who weren't around for the Halcyon days of Canucks Army, uh, oh, before they went, you say it. before they went uh, corporate and uh, stopped, lost their edge, uh, <laughs> um, and gave up vegetables, in, yeah, and stopped eating uh, tomatoes uh, or literally anything other than like fucking saltine crackers, apparently. Um, <laughs> Canucks Army. Is that who well, you're taking a dig at, by the way, as your uh, as your no, new account? No, I I just was trying to think of like the the just what would be the most other than Wonder Bread because that's a cliche. Like what would be the yeah, most? Yeah, okay, like, I got it. Yeah, yeah. the most. 
Um, the unsalted saltines. Please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for, for those of you that don't remember, uh, in 2014, I want to say, uh, Reese Jessup wrote a great article called We Think the Canucks Might Have a Scouting Problem, I believe is what it was called. Yeah. And in this article, uh, Reese borrowed an idea from pension pan, plan puppets, I think an article by, by Cam Sharon, uh, where the idea of the pension pan pl- plan puppets uh, article was uh, Dave Nonis versus a potato. Like uh, Dave Nonis does these things in free agency and the potato, like just all he can do is just re-sign RFAs at a, at like, times 1.7 or whatever like something like that like he's a potato he can't negotiate yeah exactly that was the trades that was the punchline (laughs) in the in the article was like he's a potato not a negotiator right um and so he doesn't have any phones yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so uh reese like borrows this idea and does this article where he basically does uh the gillis delorme uh, era of Canuck scouting versus uh, a like dim-witted intern named Sham Sharon. And all Sham Sharon can do is draft CHL, the CHL player, draft eligible CHL player who scored the most points. Yeah. That's it. There's no points per game. There's no nothing about age. He's not allowed to look at Europe and he's not allowed to draft defensemen or goalies. He is only allowed. Originally it was no forwards. And then it was, if you have a defenseman with more points than a forward, you should probably take him. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that was the, (laughs) the, like, uh, I think that was the, um, yeah, the later version or whatever. Yeah. But uh, what once in a while I get really into playing one of the hockey manager video games, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, which are just fancy Excel spreadsheet simulating games. Um, and that's the tactic I use when I when I draft people uh, after the first round. I, I just sort by points, um, and then I make sure that they're not twenty years old when they're being drafted. And that's that's just what I do. I'm, I'm I guess I'm not surprised that GMs don't do that, but oh, okay, sorry. Continue. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's it, the the point of the Sham Sharon exercise was basically to illustrate like you should be able to outdraft this yeah mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is a moron with an internet connection like just a mm-hmm. guy with a with a, a basic understanding of hockey with elite prospects open jd burke basically this mm-hmm. is this is just jd burke just <laughs> drafting using only numbers because he's never watched a hockey game because he only looks at spreadsheets does potato have a subscription though I think this was before this was before Elite Prospects became a uh, a paid uh, website, like a paid website. And the obviously don't do this, but you should be able to do better than this. But the thing is, is that in the original article, the potato just wiped the fucking floor with Ron Delorme. It was not even close. Like the worst, the worst player that the potato drafts is Andre Palat. Pretty much, yeah. On a like, list of like, I'm looking at the list, and it's a list of like 18 players. Yeah, yeah. Drew's on here. Kyle Wellwood's on here. Uh, yeah, hell uh, yeah. Brennan Gallagher's on here. Um, it's a lot better than what we have. Who 
Uh, and I'm still looking at the Canucks scouting list. The guy who played the most, uh, like the actual, the real list, uh, RJ Umberger was the best pick of all. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you look at games played, I guess, like he's not far from Kessler, but he is, yeah, he stayed in the league longer than all these, all these players. Do you guys had. mind if we take a slight detour uh, just please. for a second here, uh, just on the subject of Claude Giroux? Yes, please. I, I just oh, yeah. randomly turned the TV on uh-huh. uh, recently just before a game. And they had some segment on where they were interviewing like a couple of players from the Flyers. I think the player was um, uh, Justin Braun, I want to say. It it, it was a tall guy who was good looking. Um, I might have that wrong. But uh, anyways, they were interviewing him about like going out to dinner with Claude Giroux. And he was like, yeah, you know, Claude Giroux, he's like the highest played, paid player on the team. He's like this baller or whatever. So I thought we were going to go out to this like super nice restaurant. And instead we went to this make your own pizza place where Claude <laughs> Giroux was just obsessed with the fact that you could get literally anything in the restaurant <laughs> on the uh, pizza as a topping. So he was just like elated and so excited about the fact that you could get croutons on your pizza. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, I wanted to tell that story on the show because I was like, Vyas would love this. Um, so would you good. eat crouton pizza? so much. Um, I need to think about that. That's 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 tough on the roof of your mouth. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm, I might not. I I might I might have them on the side to soak up some of the grease. Oh, there's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Anyways, anyways we- that's a Kramer idea. <laughs> like literally <laughs> yeah. an idea from Seinfeld that Kramer has to yeah. open up a pizza place where you can do that. So, anyways, uh, uh, bless. pet bugs here. The second coolest reason, the second biggest reason why Claudra is cool. Yes. Uh, First one is he, he sexually grabbing, the cop. Yeah, grabbing the cop's ass. That's, so, it's more about the cop and not and nothing about the first part of Oh, that. yeah, of course uh, not. No. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pet bugs here. I'm not sure where he found it, but he pulled up a chart of... The original article led up until I think about 2012 or something because they didn't want to go too recent because it just wouldn't, right. there would be no point to it. You think Pet um, Bug is losing his mind about the barge in the West End? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyways, no, it's okay. watch has gone downhill. <laughs> so this one goes from 2014 uh, to like more recently, right? Okay. So here's the list of players that the that the potato drafts. Keep in mind this is the this is oh. the drafter gym era. Like this this is the good era of yeah. Canucks drafting. Um, so okay, here's who the potato drafts starting in 2014, uh, and this is not by pick. It's by huh. I think amount of games played, um, but you'll get the idea regardless. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, Braden Point, Matthew Kachuk, Anthony Beauvillier. Ivan Barbashev, Connor Garland, Kyler Yamamoto, Dmitro Timoshov, Philip Kurashev, Chase DeLeo, Vitaly Abramov, Anthony Richard, and Arthur Kaliev. So this is um, this is just the players who have played games, I imagine. That's not including the uh and all that's the picks the that they missed on. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh then the actual list of Canucks draft picks is Jared McCann. Funny that Jared McCann leads in games playing. Um, I, I'll just leave that there, but that's very funny to me. Jared McCann, Jake Vertanen, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, Adam Gaudet, 
Gustav Forsling, <laughs> <laughs> Quinn Hughes, Nikita Tramkin, Thatcher Demko, Niels Hoaglander, Oli Ulevi, Guillaume Brisebois, and Michael DiPietro. I, I just want to say I literally had a dream last night that I was passively watching a game and the Canucks had brought out like three defensemen from retirement to play. And <laughs> one was Nolan Baumgartner and one was Nikita Triampkin. Like he came back oh my God. in my dream. So listeners <laughs> believe. So I think pet bugs and some other people made the point here of like, the point here isn't that the potato was better because I think you can make a case for either group, but the fact that it's even close is like, okay, so Jim Benning is slightly better at this than a, a moron with an internet connection. Like, if this is the thing that's supposed to be what Jim hangs his hat on, it's not looking... He should be much better than this. Yeah, it's not looking great. Like, Yeah, and even this list, I mean, our list is more goalie heavy. Like, like the only the only thing that the uh, the potato list had, like doesn't have that we have is a couple of like one very good goalie and one potentially good goalie in Mike DiPietro and an elite um, defenseman. And yeah, okay, yeah, the first one does not have an elite defenseman. That's true. But like, I think th- what you what I would say here is like, th- yeah. if you look at uh, if you look at top three, like in terms of talent, not in terms of games played, but just in terms of talent, I think you can make a case that I mean, not right now, but like ultimately yeah. overall, yeah. Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and Quinn Hughes is close yeah. to being as good as Nikolai Ehlers, Braden Point, and Matthew Kachuk. Like you can, that's a really tough one. Like but, which yeah. one do you want more is really tough. But yeah. after that, I think the potato wins in a walk. Yeah. Like Anthony like Garland, Beauvillier. Yeah, let's out of those three, it's the potato wins. I'll be honest. I don't know a lot of the names on here, but I, I do know that Kyler is great. Connor, yeah. Connor Garland's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Connor Garland becomes a Canuck like a decade earlier. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier is uh, a really solid, like, kind of middle six player for the Islanders. Right. Uh, I am quite a big fan of uh, Ivan Barbashev, even though he never quite, like, panned out the way he was supposed to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's some other guys on here, too, who still have some time to develop uh, that I think could be, you know, at least as good as uh, the, the bottom end of the, the Canucks list. Like mm. the funniest thing here is, you know, like Jake Vertanen's not in the league anymore. Jared McCann, pretty good player. Brock Besser, pretty good player. Elias Pettersson, you know, you hope maybe we can get to him in a minute, but you know, was certainly an elite player for his first two seasons anyways. Mm. But then after those guys, your next big like games played guys, Adam Goddat, who's like a healthy He's scratch for. Today. Yeah, exactly. He was yeah. waiver wire uh, guy for, the Blackhawks and then Gustav Forsling who doesn't play for the Canucks anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so Who's yeah, for I mean, it's Dallas or something like that. No, it's uh Florida. Uh, and I, see. I believe oh. uh, he would lead the Canucks in defenseman score. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe Quinn no. Hughes would be ahead of him, but oh, no. that the fact that they traded a like legitimately strong late round young uh, Swedish defenseman who was on the up and up for a guy that played, I think, 16 games for them. Uh, that, that remains again? like such a beautiful unforced error. That wasn't uh, Adam, like Fattenberg, was it? Adam Clendenning. Yeah. Who, oh, uh, in addition to not being very good, also annoyed the shit out of me because everybody always spelled his name wrong. 
Uh, was it Clenning or something? No, they always spelt it like Benning. Like Clendenning yeah. oh, with, with two N's. With two like, N's. With, I mean, right. with three yeah. or four N's, but oh. but yeah, with the right, two right, N's right. in the N. In the middle. There's yeah. one N in the middle. Right. Yeah. Um, I noticed you're like, you want to talk about Pedersen for a moment. I noticed on here um, that his points versus games played, and I don't know how up to date this is. I'm kind of assuming it's pretty recent. It's like fairly recent. Yeah. But his points are only like 12 points behind his games played. Which, look, he he does not look good right now. It's 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 pretty terrible where things are right now. I do have faith that with changes that I hope will come this year. But uh, even if this year's a wash, he he will return to some level of form. But in the long run of his career, like he's still pretty close to a point a game. Yeah, he's been. You know, about. he still deserves the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, in terms of like eight years uh regressing yeah he deserves eight years yeah that yeah. that's about how long it takes to be able to tell if somebody's good or not mm-hmm. um i think like if i was just looking at the numbers i would just say like look at the on ice shooting percentage look at the personal shooting percentage like this is gonna come up but man he just is totally invisible and you know you can tell coach isn't happy with him not that that means much these days because who knows how much long longer travis green is going to be around but like let me just quickly pull up uh i'm just looking at the the uh game box score here for the game that uh we just watched against the bruins and elias Pettersson played three more seconds than alex chase on tonight Oh no! Yeah, he he seemed like he got. Do you think he was benched, or is that just Chason gets big numbers? No, no, he he was uh, one of the low minute men on the team. Like the, oh. uh, so. but Colson played less, Dowling played less, and Dickinson played less, and I think that's it. Uh, and then the other thing to consider here is, I believe, yeah, he played four minutes and 42 seconds on the power play so at even strength he might have been lower than like anybody else wow yeah it's it's not good it's pretty scary Mm -hmm. what's uh real quick how is quinn hute like i i haven't looked at his stats or i kind of don't notice him on the ice too much um which is a problem in itself, but is Quinn Hughes also having like a horrible year? I just know he had like, you know, the the three, the three point game. Hughes has been uh, actually really solid. Uh, Like even in, even just in terms of underlying numbers, um, like here, I can just, if you'll allow me a moment to pull it up. uh, The question of are the Canucks good is obviously answered. And so I now, (laughs) now my segment idea is, our individual Canucks <laughs> Is anyone individually on the Canucks <laughs> Is good? anybody yeah. doing okay? You know, the funny thing about the Canucks, both from an individual level and from uh, a team level, is their Corsi is actually, like, not bad. And the reason why is because they're just trailing so much. Right, that it's they, like, all that score effects. They get, like, so much <laughs> score effects. Um, but, but like... Well, well, like, had a thing where they just completely fold over and die at, at like, minus two or something. Yes, definitely. Uh, wait, wait, pardon. What is score effects? Or so, effects? score effects is like if you're leading, what you're going to be doing is just trying to kill time, especially in the later half of periods. Yeah. So you're doing things like just dumping it in. You're just clearing the puck. Whereas uh, if, I see. I see. Whereas if like you're trailing, you're like trying really hard to score. 
So you wind up just get like trailing teams always wind up getting more shots or at least usually. Hmm. So like you can kind of correct for it or at least bin it. So you don't have to look at it as much. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Quinn Quinn leads the team in Corsi and he's one of four, five players with a positive expected goals. So he's, he's playing great. And his numbers like his, his uh, he's one of the only Canucks on the team that is like scoring regularly, or I shouldn't say scoring. scoring he's not a goal scorer, points. but getting points. Yeah. The other thing about score effects like though, is that teams will also put out guys like Quinn Hughes who can score, even if they are defensively questionable when they're trailing. Yeah, they're more likely to take risks, right? It makes yeah, perfect like, sense. Being down one, being down two doesn't matter, but if you can tie the game, that matters way more. So you're going to throw out Quinn Hughes. You're not going to throw Hughes out to defend like a one-goal lead as readily as you will like a Tyler Myers or Tucker Poolman, which might not work very well, but you think it will. So I guess at this point, we may as well return to the topic of ownership yet again because uh, that is – once again, in the news, uh, I think the the big update comes from our friend uh, Patrick Johnson in the province. The gist of it is that there seems to be a uh, a very real rift between members of the Aquilini family. Uh, unlike the uh, <laughs> allegedly trumped up uh, rift between Miller and Horvat that was reported by Matt Sakaris, uh, on, on the podcast, uh, the, uh, the Sakaris and Bryce podcast, which, uh, apparently makes it totally illegitimate. Um, what did you guys think about that? Just while I, while I, anything Sorry, said on a podcast is illegitimate. Okay. So is that, is that Don Taylor talking about, uh, younger media guys or what? No, it was Ian McIntyre. Uh, because oh, those two yeah. have been have been uh, swiping at each other. Um, you like that? Like that? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. Let them fight. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm trying to. Uh, let me do this louder. Uh, this is from the pig sound effect. Pig sound. <laughs> <laughs> this is you. <laughs> Okay, I can't. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah not, I can't hear it. It is not coming. Oh, you can't hear it? Oh, no. Fuck. Okay, Justin will do that. Anyways. <laughs> okay, yeah, Justin, add in an oinking sound effect there, I guess. I do know. it Do it every time Jackson speaks. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, anyways, just while I look for this, uh, while I look for this. Um, hey, just go here. for it. Just go for it. We'll have dead air. Just, just uh, go for it. No, I was going to say, while I look for it, it, just do you guys have a quick. Uh, take on the uh, Sakaris Ian McIntyre thing. Uh, it was really great to see uh, Sakaris bring up that picture of uh, McIntyre yeah, yeah, yeah. like okay, exiting the plane with Francesco Aquilini, yeah. like carrying his bags for him or something. I don't know if that's what he was doing, but that's what it No, he was like. carrying his own bag. Nah, yeah. I don't know. I don't believe it. He's carried a lot of things for ownership in the past. Like uh, water. Get it? Yeah. Anyways. Yes. Um, it definitely was wild to see like an actual media person outright accuse him of that. I love that. I've never, I did not know that there was that much naked distrust between media guys. Like, I just assume these guys are always going on each other's shows. Um, I had no idea that, uh, like, obviously we hold iMac uh, to 
to a certain standard, not standard, but like we criticize him for hold him in contempt. You might we say. hold him in contempt. That's that's yeah. that's a great way yeah. of putting it uh, for good reasons. But I just didn't expect all the media guys to do that amongst themselves. Um, I'm the only person I would act, I would consider to do that would be Botchford. Uh, so yeah, God, it's so it's so much fun to see just actual shots fired. Well, and, think... and the delay is really funny, also. I'm oh just, yeah, like, two two days and Sakaris finds it. I do think uh, that you know those guys being just podcasters now, ten forty four has kind of like freed them a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> at the same time, like. <laughs> Just talking to like media friends and stuff. Apparently, Sakaris has like the worst intel of anybody in the. Uh... Evidently. Yeah, and I mean, you could you could tell that uh, by just how every every single person in the Canucks organization was just immediately like the Horvat Miller rift thing is total bullshit, which <laughs> makes sense because like why would the only two guys on the team, the only two forwards on the team who are playing well, hate each other? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that it doesn't made, it made really no make sense. sense. I, I like, don't believe it. When the it only out. thing I could see is like maybe the like good cop, bad cop thing where like Miller's a hard ass and Bo is like a sweetie. Um, yeah, but yeah, like Bo, yeah. Bo takes after the Sedine style of leadership, um, is probably one quick way to put it. Like he he defends the team and he isn't too vocal, he just he sticks up for the team in the media. Um, like not as much as Henrik did because Henrik is a superhuman at doing that, also. Uh, but and JT Miller is just a loud guy who swears all the time and is very emotional. Um, I I wonder who else they could have picked as uh, better stooges for this. In terms of like uh, the who there would be a rift of the rift. Yeah. yeah, it's tough because those those really are the only two guys who I think of as like leaders in the room. Yeah, because everybody else is really young. Yep, uh, which is kind of funny because like. The Canucks like went out and uh, you know paid a premium for all this leadership and all this like veteran presence or whatever, and now all of a sudden they they just have like a thousand like young players and a bunch of nobodies. But uh, mm-hmm. also, also, it's kind of, it's kind of like how they designed the structure of the team, uh, the personnel. Yeah, uh, they they hired a bunch of rookies to run the team. Yeah, it's yeah. True. no wonder. I have the. <laughs> quote here but i do just want to say just as a as an aside right before we get into it how much of a fucking indictment is it of this like management group that quinn hughes played with luke shen tonight luke shen works well in his rookie year (laughs) yeah (laughs) but like luke shen is a seventh defenseman on almost every other team in the league and he's playing with your star like phenom offensive young defenseman i i can't get over that like that is yeah. just i was i was always really worried that once hughes got very good and we saw what was going to happen with the contracts for everybody else in the on the defensive side of things that that ownership was just going to plant all the responsibility onto him yeah. when i really wanted him to have like three four years of being mentored still um, cause you need to be mentored for a long time. I, I think you always need to have veterans around. Um, well, that's what they've all for. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the, the thing, the thing about that, like I actually haven't, I've been surprised by OEL. Like, so yeah, far. he's, he's fine. He's, he's fine. Been okay. He's been fine. He hasn't been seven and a half fine, but he's been 
Like he's been probably their second best defenseman after Hughes. And he's and, the quietest one in a good way. Also. Yeah. He yeah. seems like a solid guy. Like I can well, also putting him shots. Yeah. Um, but you know, he plays the left side. <laughs> so like, mm. you know, if you were going to make a move like that, like I, I would have preferred like, I don't know to me, having somebody to play with you is like, if they don't figure that out soon, that's going to be a, uh, Phil Kessel in his prime playing with Tyler mm. Bozak level malpractice by, Yikes. by yeah. management and ownership. That's but. a good point. Anyways, here's the quote. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was just going to add another counterfactual. Uh, oh yeah. We love, we love those, but could you imagine where things would be if Benning didn't make that blockbuster trade for OEL, etc. Garland pick. Um, getting rid of everybody else. Uh, if team is as bad as it is right now, and all these contracts are expiring this year, oh, I know. I, I would be oh. so excited for that. Yeah, I know. We, we'd have so yeah. many interesting GM candidates coming up as well. Like, and you could I'm sure you the would have... would get people like Jeff Gordon calling being because if you're somebody like Jeff Gordon or somebody who wants to manage a team and who has the kind of influence to get get in the room with the Aquilinis, you're like, I want to. I can turn this team around. I want all cap, cap space. Yes. Coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd have all that money coming off the books. You could spend all kinds of money in free agency, or you could come up with creative trades and stuff. Because that's a, the thing about yeah. the thing that I'll never understand about that OEL trade getting as much praise as it has is that they didn't free up any cap space. They no, just, just pushed the problems into the future. Yeah, they yeah. just replaced their shitty cap space with mediocre cap space, like between, you know, OEL's inevitable decline and like Connor Garland being very good. But um, maybe we can get into this sometime. But I actually, at some point, want to make the case that Connor Garland and JT Miller are negative value assets because they've kept the Canucks from bottoming out, which is like what uh, yeah, should be same, happening. The same thing that's been happening yeah. whenever we get a good goalie. Yeah. Or like um, when we got Ryan Miller, et cetera. But anyways, here's the here's the big quote from okay. uh, from Patrick Johnson. Uh, the it's from the Penguins Canucks post gamer. Penguins four Canucks one. Another strike against the playoff dream. Um, under the subheader, what's next? Canucks ownership is apparently pondering its next move. Stunned that things have gone so badly. Post Media News understands that Chairman Francesco Aquilini and his brother Roberto Aquilini are at odds over the direction of the team. Roberto's never been much interested in the team's affair. It's been seen as Francesco's ship. But if the family name was being sullied, and we know fans aren't speaking well of ownership right now, then he'd be concerned, possibly even towards action. This appears to be the case, though what course might be taken is not known. Ownership's past trend has been to have a succession plan in place before making any management changes. Before Mike Gillis was replaced, Trevor Linden was lined up to be the new president. When Gillis was hired, that came right on the heels of the dismissal of Dave Nonis. Further, before Gillis was dismissed in 2014, he was prevented from dismissing coach John Tortorella by ownership. Tortorella, of course, was dismissed by Linden after Gillis was sent out the door. There's plenty of reasons to think that debate at the management level is why Benning hasn't tried to at least change his coach, Travis Green, something that is usually understood to be a GM's last maneuver before facing his own dismissal. So a lot to chew on in there. I think um, there's a couple of different threads we could pull on. The first being obviously that uh, the other Aquilini uh, brothers or family members might 
start to get involved here, which is interesting because generally, like while it is understood that the Canucks are owned by the Aquilini family and the Aquilini group, it really is Francesco's thing. Yeah, I, I would push on that, actually, because I think at the end of the day, it's still Luigi's thing, the the father. I mean, like, like yes, he like a thousand years old, though? <laughs> yeah, he is. I, I think everything has been handed off to Francesco, but I don't think we should discount. And I, I'd also wait for a journalist to correct me on this uh, directly or indirectly that Luigi probably still has some role to play uh, or at least. Francesco is doing a lot of things because he thinks Luigi wants it that way. I just, I just don't want to ignore him as one of the players. And I'll explain kind of more why uh, after we talk about these two threads about how Luigi, uh, Luigi's uh, existence matters uh, in the long run of this team. Fair enough. I was just reminded one of the things that I, because I had to pull it together really quickly. If you guys remember, I know you guys remember the, uh, the cold open I did a long, long, long time ago when the uh, blueberry farm like thing was happening with the migrant <laughs> workers, where I cut an interview with quote unquote Francesco Aquilini that was just like Super Mario 64 samples yes, or whatever. It was the hardest I laughed. I was <laughs> in the last three years. I was trying to, uh, uh, I was trying to shoehorn something about his dad in so I could have him yeah. go like Luigi, <laughs> but I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyways, the other thread here that uh, that is definitely notable is the implication here that uh, Jim Benning does not have the authority to fire his coach, which I think is a really big deal because it basically tells you that everybody in the organization right now is pretty much a dead man walking. And yeah. um, the you know, franchise. I wanna I wanna be careful here because I don't wanna um, I don't wanna get anybody I don't wanna you know, give away too much basically. But, um, you know, one thing I will say is that that's a really, really unhealthy environment for, uh, people to be working in. Like I, I will say, Mm. you know, like obviously I'm friends with Ryan beach and, um, you know, like we don't, we don't talk about hockey stuff for the most part because like it's his job now. So, um, but like I, just from a pure speculation standpoint, like it's got to be pretty hard for a guy like that to do his job every day when it's just like, am I going to get canned tomorrow? Like who's my boss? Like who's going to be my boss tomorrow? And I mean, mm-hmm. if, you know, that's, yeah. that's me speaking am on I behalf still of here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, you know, me like looking out for my buddy or whatever, but like by the same token, I feel pretty sorry for Travis green who has to just like, get trotted out after every loss, every game, answer all these questions, be the only guy from the organization who has to answer. There's a few guys who keep pointing out that green is the only one who'll talk to the media. And that's such a good point about him being a professional. Like he's doing this. He's the one who has to say, yeah, this team's bad and we play and, bad and, and everyone forget, else can hide. Yeah. And don't forget that Gillett or <laughs> oh, <I wish. laughs> Benning didn't even come to bat for uh for travis green on no. that press conference he did last week it's which a, was so obvious and telling and like maybe he just forgot uh of course uh but 
but but it's but it's a but kiss Benning death also or... forgets to like tie his shoes. I know, I know that that's so, that's like... kind of why I like hedged there for a second because maybe he did forget. Uh, maybe he does not have that on his mind. But if you're Travis Green and you see that press conference and you you see you see Benning come to bat for ownership and and for a few other people, but not not even name you and yeah. and actually criticize uh, the coaching uh, the coaching team for. What did he say? He said strategy is what. Yeah, he said strategy was part of the problem on the PK. Yeah, which, which felt is a, like a pretty direct. Pretty pointed for yeah. a general manager. Like, yeah. uh, but I mean, I, I do. I do genuinely feel kind of bad for Travis Green just in terms of like, it's a really shitty, toxic situation. Can't be good for anybody. Can't yeah. be good for anybody in the room. Can't be good for him. Yeah can't be good for anyone else in the organization, whether it's like, I, like, obviously I mentioned beach, but like Jonathan wall or Chris gear, or like these underlings or Ryan Johnson, who may be like looking at his phone frantically every day, waiting to get the news that he's the new interim general manager. Um, but one person I don't feel sorry for is Jim Benning. And I see a lot of people like trotting that around that Jim's like this nice guy and, uh, that, oh, it's like shitty to, to put him in this situation or whatever. But like, I, yeah, I don't fucking buy that for a second. Eight years. Like he's, yeah, money. first of all, eight years. And second of all, like he is not like been, the situation is of his making. Well, it is of his making, but I also just kind of reject the idea that he is a nice guy. He's been kind of a, um, I mean, I, I think it's mostly stupidity. But I think he's been like kind of a prick about certain things. Like he certainly, uh, you know, didn't hand like he's he handled the Vertanen thing really poorly, calling that you know, that that girl with some girl with her blog or whatever he said. Um, and you know, like the way that uh, him and Lyndon handled the uh, the Cassian thing. I know that was more yeah. of a Lyndon thing, but like I don't know. I just don't. I think the the whole Jim Jim is a nice guy thing is mostly code for Jim response to my calls mm -hmm. uh, and my questions yeah. because like the, the reason I've been a lot of knives though for guys as they leave the organization too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's that a, that's a great point. I, yeah, like just the it. gold opens of the world or whoever else, just like or the mechanic and like Capoli. Yeah. I know that was more well was less more just, fully. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, you're right, you're these right. guys that you heralded as they came in, especially guys like Stature. And then as soon as you know you can't scratch up two million for them, it's yeah, they were nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> this reminded me of uh, you know everybody saying like, oh, don't call for firing somebody. That man has a family. Uh, <laughs> Yerky had a tweet on November twenty first. Yerky at Yerky twenty one, where it's a photo of a of a of a fire department building <laughs> okay and it says fire department on it and your caption is that department has a family <laughs> that's good yeah <laughs> um i will say too like i have uh because i you know i i'm in the back channels and i know some people and uh i i have like decent intel that like they are scrambling looking for replacements for these guys now uh but it's just a question of how long is that process going to take? Are they going to like their options? What are they going to do about money is another like really important wrinkle in the situation, because I don't think, you know, like 
it was reported recently that they were thinking about Claude Julian, right? And like that was never yeah. going to happen because they were never going to hire a huge coach like that until the management situation is figured out. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this drags on for another few months just because of the general like apathy the ownership group has towards spending any money. Apparently it, you know, I, not to, not to open up a whole other can of worms, but it is crazy how quickly that, worms, yeah, how quickly that switch flipped from being a team that was willing to spare no expense. Uh, you know, a team that, that also weirdly like still doesn't mind being on the hook for OEL's gigantic contract, but like is worried about, you know, spending money to go out and get a coach or whatever. Like it's, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and waiting I, I don't to... know where suddenly being willing to buy out contracts, like after many years of everybody wanting the Aquilinus to do that, then they do it kind of at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's all peculiar. And I was kind of alluding to it earlier, but, uh, <laughs> somebody had a really good tweet where they, it was a pretty simple thing where, uh, they did the succession theme song, theme music intro, uh, but interspersed it with photos of the Aquilini. I'm sure that would have been really funny to me if I had any idea about that show. Fair but enough. I, I think it's going to be one of these shows that like people, like even more people start watching it uh, as it keeps going on. Sure. Uh, I'm a big fan. All it is, it's a soap opera uh, uh, written by some of the guys who did In the Loop and The Thick of It. And uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah. anyways... Um, when Luigi Acquilini dies, and remember, Luigi Acquilini is quite heavily involved in stuff. Do you remember what was it two years ago? The stuff about the water for the migrant oh, workers. Oh yeah, he's that certainly Luigi. In, he's certainly involved in the day to day like business operations. I don't know yeah. how much that extends to the team, but yeah, but that's he's very but, involved in the Aquilini group at the very least. Yes, but he's also very cognizant about the image of the family, and now that now that even even the most milquetoast journalists in town uh, and and on top of that, national journalists are skipping Benning as a, as the goat here, as, as, a, as a person of yeah, blame here. And that's going been to the yeah. really surprising to me because like, I mean, the, the thing about that, I guess because it's not sports, like it makes a bit more sense. But like, if you wanted to go in on the Aquilinis, there is so much stuff. Like we're going to have to do a deep dive episode yeah, on, yeah. on them yeah. and the, the family and all their insane, uh, basically the way they've like absolutely tanked this they province hurt everybody. and yeah. destroyed everything good about it over the past 30, 40 years. Um, yeah. And, and sports and going, and going off of that and talking about how there's so many different things you could talk about that family sports is naturally the easiest way that, this family is going to get criticized. It's it's a very like there's not a lot of reporters who are going to talk about rent control. There's not a lot of reporters yeah. who are going to yeah. uh, talk about deaths on the farm. Uh, and like in certain uh, circumstances, certain circumstances, yeah, uh, some of that stuff is going to be a big national story. But two kids died on an Aquilini farm <sighs> yeah. uh, in an RV, and like. That same year, the Aquilinis were like number three on the Vancouver Magazine's most powerful uh, yeah. people people list. Like, and it was discussed as like a legal issue that they had. Uh, anyways, sports is a very easy way for the Aquilinis to be discussed by anybody, and for the name to be tarnished 
and for the name to be elevated. And I think Luigi knows that um, unless there's been a major cognitive decline lately. Uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he's ignorant of that. And I'm sure that there is a bit of that shadow going on here just on, on his sons. Uh, and that might be what Roberto is also leading on where he doesn't want the family name. Uh, yeah. He and his dad don't want the family name to be tarnished. And that means making smarter decisions. And seems like Roberto is smarter uh, in terms of uh, in terms of how to turn the ship around and everything. And Frank is holding on to not wanting to do change just yet, uh, saving money, etc. Um, now, the point I wanted to make about Luigi is that when the man dies, which might be soon, which might not be soon, which could be. Who knows? I think yeah, he could be one of old. those like uh Sheldon Adelson motherfuckers who just lives forever. <laughs> he off could of, live like, for he could live forever. Blood transfusions yeah. from virgins or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I but I it's piqued my interest lately to think about that where when that moment comes or when a moment where the three or four sons it's three sons, I believe. I think so. Two yeah. of them are involved. Yeah, well. One of them is kind of not. Uh, one of them supposedly the good one. I have it on thirty. Uh, <laughs> those three sons and anybody else interested in the Aquilini, uh, all, all their holdings and estates, uh, there might be a bloodbath, and the team is probably going to be pretty heavily implicated. I mean, even when Frank had a div- like a pretty high profile divorce a few years ago. Oh yeah, there's a lot of Canucks reporters reporting on that and yeah. potentially discussing <clears throat> implications for the team as a result of that. And so all this just all this is just to say that when people bring up uh, sell, like uh that they hope Aquilini sells the team, when I say it, I think it's extremely hypothetical. I don't think this family's ever going to sell it uh, as long as the team is in disarray because that means the value is low. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm them, just wait until this is a billion dollar franchise, 2 billion dollar franchise and sell it then. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to sell it anytime soon. All these demands to sell the team. Yeah, I'm saying them too. The but team won't it's be not... good until, like, it's sort of this yeah. catch they're gonna, thing They're going to sell it at the best period possible for them. Yeah. It's going to be one yeah. the They're only going to sell it if the team's good and worth a lot of money, but that's only going to happen. The team's only going to get good if they stop meddling, which they won't do. So yeah. I could see the only real time outside of that, I think that anything significant like that's going to happen is when Luigi dies. And that's all I want yeah. to say. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's entirely fair. Like, I mean, I, I do. I could see if control gets wrestled away from Francesco, I could see like a five yeah. or 10 year plan where the plan is like uh, get the franchise back to back to being a near billion dollar franchise, like get get the value of the team back up and sell because um you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the other members of the family who don't really care that much about hockey, particularly after Luigi is gone, just look at this as kind of a sinkhole, you yeah. know, like, yeah, because it, it really is like, it's hard to make a, like a hockey team profitable enough for like real estate guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of reminds right. me. I, I, this is totally just me shoehorning in a great thing that I saw, but it kind of reminds me of that, uh, um, that great Stellan Skarsgård quote that you guys might've seen about superhero movies where, uh, he was just saying how, like, he was like, other movies are still profitable, but they're not profitable enough for the 
people who are still like making money and still investing in things. And I feel like about what movies to get made. Sports and entertainment is kind of a similar boat where it's like, you know, nobody who buys a hockey team is really buying it to make money unless they're like kind of C or D tier billionaires who are kind of stupid. Like the guy who bought the um, coyotes and is just like trying to bleed them dry. Uh, like the fucking like fucking Jim Spanfeller or whatever. Um, anyways, uh, this conversation. Oh, the, the oh, other yeah. thing about them being real estate guys is that apparently they won't sell the team with the arena. Like they want to keep the arena. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious! I heard, I heard and that's that going to make them like they're not going to be able to do that. Like, yeah, nobody's going to. No one's going to buy it without buying that. the arena as well. Because yeah. if, you, if you can get like an expansion spot from the league, you can probably get Quebec City to build you an arena or like Houston. Yeah, or at least like uh, go halvesies on it with you. Well, exactly. Yeah, and then you yeah. get then you get an arena. What are the deal? Uh, that why just would re- you, why don't you just buy GM Place? Like, yeah, exactly. You, sorry, and you don't get to buy GM Place. Like, no one's gonna take that deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this just reminds me of a thing I uh, posted earlier in the year. If you guys don't mind me reading it, um, sure. I, I was just like, uh, this is yeah, this is from February. Canucks rejected theme night ideas. Migrant worker night, rent control night, Dasani, trademark, hydration, awareness night, proportional representation night, transportation safety night sponsored by WorkSafe PC, and smoke alarm awareness night. Um, oh, God. I and then, oh, and then I said at- afterwards, fuck, how did I forget alimony night? <laughs> <laughs> I am chuckling at the idea of a guy, and I, pr- I swear I'm not this guy. This is not me I'm describing. <laughs> but somebody who find like the nail in the coffin for them on the Aquilinis, like, all right, I've had it with them, is that they were against proportional representation. <laughs> <laughs> well, so were I the Aquilinis. I would be careful with that joke because I feel like that's like... No, no, I mean the Aquilinis, them finding out the Aquilinis are against them. Oh, <laughs> no, I know. But I mean, I feel like that probably describes at least three people listening to this. That's probably true, actually. <laughs> God. Uh, God bless you, people. Uh, that was when jo- that was when Justin McElroy was became out on the Canucks. I don't know if he supports property. <laughs> it seems go. like he would. Um, I, I I think it PR would mean more charts. Yeah, yeah exactly. More yeah. interesting charts, more colors in the charts. Big chart is just way behind that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything? Any other Canucks stuff, or should we move on to Bergevin? Uh. No, yeah, nothing nothing that comes up except okay. uh, uh, Edler has already matched his 20-20-point uh, total in 20 oh, games. Oh, that rocks. Um, he has eight assists in 20 games. Uh, and he's plus five and plus minus. Ooh. Um, and yeah. Oh, I, there, there was one, one tiny more thing is that Gary Mason, who's a Global Mail columnist and... Uh, I only know him as in like his like retirement period, but apparently he's a he's a close friend of the Aquilinis or is a close close knit with them in some way. Sure, uh, he's he tweeted that he's not convinced that any general manager will be hired until a backup is one hundred percent sorted. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that that adds to the uh, adds to an assumption going around that the team won't change management until the season is over. I would frankly love to see that because i want to know like what this looks like in february where it's just like we've continued to just sink into the darkness like i don't know i a part part of me really is just like 
I, this is the most compelling Canucks hockey I've seen in like a couple years anyways, because it's just like, I want to see how bad it can get. I want to see gossip, that. Yeah. I want to see that yeah. PK get below 50%. I want to see, <laughs> I like, I hope they never win another game. I hope they stay at six wins. Um, this has nothing to do with anything, but I also just you pointing out Edler stats reminded me, um, have you guys fucking seen the fucking tear Alex Ovechkin is on right now? Yes. I, the dude, the dude is uh, five points away from tying how many points he had last year. And obviously it was a truncated season, but like still he has 37 points. Oh my goodness. Like 20 something games. I yeah. am. I've never been this like, I'm looking at tickets for, for when the caps come to Vancouver. Oh and yeah. It's, it's like one of the last games, apparently it's in like March 25th, but I want tickets to that. And yeah. it's not like a Yager thing where or I don't think anybody was doing this for Yager except the traveling Yagers. Uh, but cool guys. Like it's yeah. not going to be his last game in Vancouver, no. I'm no. sure. Oh, but no. I, I, I want to see an Ovechkin goal. I, I, yeah. I think somebody, somebody described it. Like, it's fun to watch live. Like, yeah. They've been. Oh, did you? You've, you've been to one, eh? Uh, yeah. I saw them. I saw like the Caps play the Canucks and we had like literally front row behind the net seats. Awesome. It yeah. was it was pretty yeah, cool. That is a that is a bucket list that I've seen Paul McCartley live. I want to see Alex Ovechkin live. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I uh I just like he's gonna do it. He's gonna fucking do it. Like yeah. I feel yeah. it now. Like this was the year where it was like, okay, if he can do it this year, if he can get to like near 50 in this year, then he probably has enough runway left after that mm. that they can that he can just decline the way players do and still do it right i really hope yeah i really hope that there's not a narrative that goes around like in a couple of years that like oh but ovechkin's got to do it with one team no oh. i i hope that there is a sweepstakes for ovechkin oh yeah uh, coming up in a couple of years uh unless yeah the capitals somehow keep turning around uh to just get him on the next super team put him up throw him on the front line Whoever the whoever the best uh, the best passer is in the league. Having said that, though, the like the Caps, I from their perspective, like Alex Ovechkin scoring his 895th goal in a Caps uniform is worth more than like a dozen Stanley Cups. Yeah, like, yeah, it, would, it, is. it, is, it, is. it, it would be they the most important thing to happen together. to a to an NHL franchise like ever yeah. to be able to do that. Like you, yeah. you will be punching your ticket until the end of time in jersey sales. Yeah, like, uh, and and <laughs> that's coming from that opinion coming from three guys who have never seen their team win a cup. I'm sure the opinion will change after you win one, but like one cup feels oh, like yeah. more important than a dynasty. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like it makes it makes yeah. uh, it makes sense. Like obviously, you probably wouldn't be saying that if they hadn't already won their cup, but like they did. Who gives yeah. a shit? Alex yeah. Ovechkin, yeah. eight hundred ninety-five goals, baby. Only That's thing that so matters. much better that they've won the cup. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, bef- before we talk Bergevin, when I told somebody that the Canucks will probably not not uh, clean house until the end of the year, somebody said. Uh, it's not me saying it, but they said Italians not doing work until the last minute. Doesn't sound like them. <laughs> ah, nice. That's good. We've hit a lot of uh, we've hit a lot of classic tropes today, including the anti-Italian discrimination. So um, 
that that is perfect. All right. Well, uh, last note of business here, uh, filed under around the NHL is uh, Habs completely fucking cleaned house. Uh, Bergevin gone. Uh, out goes Mark Bergevin. In comes Jeff Gorton, who I can't tell if people think he is good or not. Uh, I'm. Well, I have. No I, idea. I don't. I don't know much about his last few years because he was at the Rangers recently, right? Yeah. 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 I guess. Uh, I guess it's hit or miss. Maybe like I, I haven't. People really like his time in Boston. People are really questioning his time in New York. Yeah, but... he he kind of had a strong start to his time in New York, and then kind of did from my understanding, like sort of did some stupid stuff towards the end. And that's why he what got if, fired. I the, the Rangers are owned by the same people who own the Knicks. And I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, somebody can yell at me if I'm wrong about that. And the Knicks have been run horribly. And a lot of it has come down to their ownership. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Jeff Gorton is kind of in a similar situation with Benning in some circumstances where well, the ownership is now that I... uh, preventing him from doing everything he wants to now that i think of it potentially uh wasn't jeff gorton fired for uh going after george paris wasn't that what uh, happened? well mm. it did happen around that time and yeah. i feel like nobody nobody really said that like no, nobody uh, I had the sense that journalists knew that, but nobody could actually come out and say that. Yeah, like nobody came out and said it explicitly, but it was like they the timing the, was a little too obvious. Yeah, extremely sus because they wrote the thing about how they didn't agree with uh, the the Dops ruling, and then yeah, yeah, and they got they got canned. Uh, yeah. But the the cool thing about Jeff Gordon that uh, you know I would take him in Vancouver because. Uh, they the the thing that he did that is genuinely impressive from like a, a PR standpoint is they came out when the team was like not that far out of a playoff spot and just put out a press release that was like we're rebuilding we're gonna trade a lot of players yeah. it's gonna hurt I but it's only that. gonna hurt for like a year or two and then we're gonna be beautiful coming on the yeah. on the come up again and, and like I just the only people who are against that were were people from like Staten Island who, uh, <laughs> you know, just like just like uh, uh, mega types, like that yeah, type exactly. of hockey, that, that type yeah. of hockey Twitter account was the only person who was mad about that. Everybody else going up all the way to journalists were so excited that the team was so explicit about their direction and realistic about it. I loved it. Uh, and also, just for context, Jeff Gorton is the guy who actually created the Boston Bruins Cup winning team. In yeah, in, a, in the span yeah. of about like six months. Yeah. Then, yeah. then he left and Chirelli takes over, not doing much uh, to make that team, to improve that team. And that team wins a cup. Um, so if the fucking Aquilinis could actually stick to their principle of copying whoever won the cup, they, <laughs> they picked the wrong guy. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, uh, wrong GM got hired to, re to, <laughs> to return voice. to, yeah. yeah, to return to uh, Mark Bergevin for a second. It is really funny to me that uh, Jim Benning cited the Habs as like a reason why you should go for it. Basically, like he was like, get into the playoffs and anything can happen. Look at the Habs. And then the Habs have turned around and had literally the worst season ever for a team uh, that's appeared in the Stanley cup final. And it's become increasingly clear that they just lucked their way through the Canadian division and then 
got smoked in the finals because they were not actually a very good team. Um, and anything can happen in one series. I do worry a little bit that Bergevin could be an attractive option in Vancouver because I think he is uh, he's sort of like the Tortorella of GMs in the sense that absolutely like he's very loud. He he if if Tortorella was a loud coach, like you could really see him coaching. Bergevin is the same thing for general managers. You can really see him managing all the time because he's just always doing shit (laughs) kind of for sometimes for no apparent reason, but um, I would, I would be uh, leery of uh, the fact that Bergevin has gone on the open market because he also has ties to, uh, to the team as well. He he played for, he's a former Canuck. Yeah. He played for the Canucks. uh, Yeah. For like, for like a yeah, cup of coffee in the late nineties, I want to say. Yeah. Did he no, didn't he show up in like 2004 in that uh there is a trade deadline after the Purdue suspension where we get where we're like, I don't know, maybe you're right. Oh, the West Coast Express will be re- rejuvenated with uh, Marty Ruchinski and Jeff <laughs> Sanderson. Uh and I'm pretty sure it got Mark Bergerman that year or maybe the year before. The uh, year the the trade you know, deadline. We're gonna hire a former Habs front office guy with uh, a Vancouver connection. We all that's know what I'm should... saying. That's no, what I'm we saying. all know who it should be instead. That's what I'm saying. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that the Habs fire Burroughs by the end of the year, and that might coincide with when the Canucks need to hire some people. Luongo GM uh, Burroughs head coach legacy. Uh, yeah, BX uh, president of hockey, hockey operations. Hockey operations. Please no, no one. PR. Oh yes, oh. <laughs> yeah, that would fucking rock. Kevin BX as BX as a spokesperson of the team would be so fucking good. They really should. The Vancouver Canucks really should have a guy whose job it is to just talk to the media all the time. It's it's that, that's what the GM is supposed to fucking do. I mean, I, I guess so, but uh, I'm not mad at you. I'm just like losing my mind that we don't have. We remember yeah. when Mike Gillis used to go on the radio every week, and the media yeah. hated Mike Gillis. Yeah, and everyone is like lined up in this city, or I mean, up until recently, was lined up in this city to kiss Jim Benning's ass. Yeah, and the guy talks to the media like twice a year because every time he opens his mouth, it's clear that uh, he has no idea what he's doing. I, to return to what I was saying earlier, like um, he is the, like the reason why everybody likes him so much is because he's the biggest open book in the NHL. Uh, Anybody who calls him gets the answer that they want, gets like info that they wouldn't get from pretty much any other general manager. And you know that because random fans were getting like high level Canucks Intel from Jim Benning when he, uh, when he started here, like, I, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but there was like a, an old, old story from the U 11 draft from uh, Jason yep. Botchford about like some random fan who went over and talked to Jim Benning about the draft and Jim Benning just like opened up his brief briefcase and like showed him his notes and shit yep. and then got fined for tampering. <laughs> If you're from another NHL team, why don't you just find one of your like expatriate fans living in Vancouver and just be like, hey, can you just go hang out in coffee shops around uh, whichever neighborhood? Who's, who's to say that that's not been happening for eight years already? Anything uh, else, boys? Um, I was going to add about Bergevin 
that sure. I don't see him getting hired here. Uh, just mainly because he's French. Of the uh, the Mayu. <laughs> no, just the Stefan Mayu stuff. I think uh, uh, and also the proximity yeah. to the to the Blackhawks uh, in 2010, uh, which you know I don't believe what he I said mean, about it. I mean, I saw fans today talking about fucking getting Evander Kane. So I don't know. Like it, it's, yeah, it, I saw it's, that too. it sucks. Like yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, you think that like, I hate to do the Twitter is not real life thing. Cause I think that a lot of the time that's horse shit. Like sometimes it's, sometimes yeah. it's good perspective, but a lot of the time it's just an excuse for yeah. people to just like poo poo really strong criticism or whatever. But like, I think in the instance of like, I mean, it was a long time ago, but like the Canucks hired Mike Adeza and that was no fucking problem. And it just got buried. So, I mean, I think the first thing we would see if Bergevin got hired is an IMAC like redemption uh, piece on it. You know, I mean, yeah, we, I don't know sure. if we, I don't know if we made enough hay about that fucking Vertanen article that he wrote. Like if he could write that, Vertanen like battled hard in the corners and like took everything in stride. Then like I see no reason why he couldn't write that Mark Bergevin has learned his lesson by True. being right. fired for being a shitty general manager. <laughs> yep. Um, couple couple notes. Uh, I was just doing a small scroll through Twitter, but apparently Spencer Gillis uh, contributed to the province uh, online today uh talking about potential replacements uh for the ads gm oh shit really yeah yeah literally uh 15 french <laughs> this is the title 15 french speaking nhl general manager candidates <laughs> did he uh, write this or yeah, it says i literally it says a guest submission from spencer gillis who is a university of toronto fellow in global journalism he Holy lives in shit. toronto so or sorry he lives in uh, montreal so Oh, fuck. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Him. How do we got to, we should, this can be our excuse to have him on the there, show. He can talk there, about this. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Actually. I, I know he's uh, probably in town soon. So hopefully we can get a beer with him. Oh, I would fucking uh, rock. Couple, couple more notes um, from that scroll is that PJ tweeted yesterday that uh, he, this, a completely idle thought that is pure observation and has no reporting behind it other than looking at Google. John Chaka is free to work again on January 1st. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I do not think he will ever get hired anywhere. No, ever no. Again. No, I no. think the fact that he blew it so badly and was also uh, painted with the brush of being like a young stats guy. Like, yeah. I don't think he's, uh, ever, I, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure PJ's uh, in tongue in cheek here. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, last thing yeah. I was just going to, but it would be was, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Does have uh, a Canucks connection though. Staff leads. Uh, Stathletes, uh, one of the fir their first like big clients was the Canucks. Oh, uh, and he infamously <laughs> was told by Jim Benning to find, like, go digging for good numbers for uh, Brandon Prest so they could show the <laughs> nerds in the front office that Brandon <laughs> Prest needed to be a Vancouver Canuck. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, last thing was just context for some of the IMAC and Sakaris stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, is uh, just we were having a conversation earlier today outside of outside of the podcast that uh, we ha we have not picked a side in the IMAC versus Sakaris fight. Absolutely, uh, obviously IMAC uh, carries wire for the team and luggage bags, um, and also uh, called Jackson a, pig, a little piggy or whatever it was <laughs> um, years ago, infamously. Uh, but also Sakaris uh, really blows uh, because um, look, I didn't. I rarely listen to Sakaris. I don't listen to that Price and Sakaris show right now. 
Uh, but a lot of guys kept bringing up how Sakaris had an atrocious interview with uh, one of the people leading the charge for uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps ownership, management, um, et cetera, to atone for uh, abuse happening on the women's team. But yeah, probably the worst uh, segment in 1040 history. And I say that as somebody who is like, uh, from from a purely like hockey fan perspective, like actually a reasonably big fan of those guys. Like I think their show is quite good as a hockey show. Mm-hmm. Um, that white caps thing was absolutely fucking atrocious. And Matt Sakaris was also leading the charge for fucking Uber to come to Vancouver too. So Yikes. he sucks. Yeah. Oh, go. He can go back to his boat. Is he the one who's doing those like photos from the YVR taxi lineup? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time, one of the first times that we all hung out was when we went to go pick up Christina from the airport at yeah. the draft. <laughs> and I just took a photo of Elliot just like posing next to the taxi lineup. Yeah, there was like 20 cabs all lined up. And yeah, that was great. I could find a cab, but maybe I'm just different. <laughs> all right. Well, I think on all that right. note, uh, yeah, you can follow one. the show on Twitter at Roxy Fever. Um, We'll be getting the Patreon up and running again soon. Uh, I have something that I am going to try to throw up for probably the beginning of next month uh, because um, it's uh, it's November 28th today. So uh, but um, we'd uh, we'd love your support in the meantime. It uh, helps us pay Justin, who is our new producer, uh, because because I uh, am trying to live my life and also produce the show like nearly killed me. So, um, yeah, uh, we'd love your support. Uh, you can throw us some bucks at patreon.com slash Roxy fever, and we will have stuff up on the Patreon feed, uh, very soon. But in the meantime, uh, you will get access to our back catalog of all the bonus episodes that we've done. And some of our best stuff is behind the paywall. So if you've been thinking about, uh, supporting us or you know you're uh you've come into some money recently uh you know don't be afraid to subscribe over at patreon.com slash roxy fever thanks for listening everybody and uh oh wait, wait hold I mean, on you can you can follow you can try to follow me at at <laughs> oh, uh, you- if you if you request me and you listen to the show then i like i'll accept don't worry, don't worry about it um and uh also our uh, new producer justin morissette mm-hmm. i'll give him a social media shout out too uh, he's at, at Justin Morris. Um, please check his account out. Yeah, and you can follow me at IMAX Sportsnet. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. And well, we'll... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can follow me at Moose Kayak. Uh, yeah, and you can follow me at IMAX Sportsnet. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and uh, also send your hate mail to at IMAX Sportsnet. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody.
Big Sounds.